You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Another significant jump in the number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 here in British Columbia. 92 new cases announced today for a total of 884 across the province. One more death as well. That makes 17 fatalities so far in B.C. And we're learning the outbreak has now spread to 12 long-term care homes in Metro Vancouver. Kristen Robinson has more, including on how B.C. is trying to set an example for the, the entire country to follow in flattening the curve. Our cases are continuing to increase. We know that. We know that people who have been exposed in the last two weeks are continuing to get sick. Saturday's numbers mark the highest daily surge we've seen in B.C., but the percentage increase in COVID-19 cases not climbing dramatically. The province's top doctor says we're still on the same path shown in modelling data that made them cautiously optimistic we're starting to flatten the curve. But we must keep up physical distancing. Any severe outbreak or cluster of cases is going to tip the scales for us. And we are at that very critical point right now where we need to continue this action together. 81 patients now in hospital, 52 of them in intensive care. 396 people or 45% of cases have fully recovered. The rate of growth appears to be slowing. Canada's chief public health officer finding some comfort that while BC was projecting a 24% daily rise in COVID-19 cases, the latest numbers report only a 12% hike due to travel restrictions and enforced social distancing. This early sign of reassurance should spur us to keep up with our new habit of physical distancing. The Prime Minister also encouraged by the early evidence out of our province, which experienced the country's first community transmission. Justin Trudeau urging Canadians not to be complacent. That means what we are doing is working, and we therefore need to continue doing what we are doing. We are not out of the woods yet. The message, by staying apart, we can stick together in defeating an invisible threat. We must stay home if we're ill. We must be united in this and 100% committed until we flatten this curve for good. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria. Keith, you've got some perspective on the hospitalization numbers today. Yes, uh, we've been asking, a lot of people have been asking me because we know uh, we talked to Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix on a regular basis. Everybody wants to know the impact on their local community. And Adrian Dix and Bonnie Henry so far uh, will not release numbers of anything relating to specific towns and municipalities other than saying it's everywhere. But today, for the first time, uh, the two of them released uh, the hospitalization numbers and broke them down on a regional basis. This is what it looks like. 39 are in Fraser Health, 31 in Vancouver Coastal, not surprising, those are the most populous regions, uh, six in the interior. Just three on Vancouver Island and only two in Northern Health. So that gives you an ex a glimpse of what the hospitalizations look like on a geographical breakdown. Sort of breaks down, as you would expect, by population. Uh, now, one of the other things people are constantly asking, where are we in this pandemic? Are we at the beginning, the middle, the end? And when will be the end? And when would be the peak? And Dr. Bonnie Henry, I think, uh, captured exactly what we're talking about when we talk about the peak. Here's a response. 
We don't know the peak until we're looking back at it. So um, none of this is uh, able to let us know if we've reached the peak or not. Um, we need to continue to monitor and follow everything on a daily basis to see if we are flattening that curve. But really the only way to tell is in retrospect where the peak is. Now, to put it in perspective how our numbers look, Colleen, just look south to us to our next-door neighbor in Washington State. 14 more deaths were announced today. There's more than 4,100 cases there. We've got less than 1,000. And 100, excuse me, 189 people in all have died in Washington State. Again, our closest neighbor to the south. Looking good, but we've got to keep up the measures. Thanks, keep Keith. Keep washing your hands and keep your physical distance, folks. Exactly. Thanks so much, Keith. There's a confirmed case of COVID-19 in one of downtown Vancouver's busiest areas. One of the pharmacy staff at the London Drug Zone, Georgia and Granville, has tested positive for the virus. They last worked at the store on March 18th and were asymptomatic at the time. They are now self-isolating at home. London Drug says it's working with Vancouver Coastal Health Authority to ensure all protocols are being followed and is ensuring customers that health and safety remains its highest priority. To a disturbing encounter caught on camera near downtown Vancouver this morning. Yeah, I filmed that. I filmed that. Yeah. This video captured in the Railtown neighborhood near Gastown shows a building manager using a garden hose to spray a homeless man who'd apparently been sleeping in the doorway. We don't know what led up to the incident. Mike Chatwin shot the footage from his apartment across the street. Chatwin says he called police, then rushed over to give the man some dry clothes. I felt sick to my stomach. I was watching with my wife, and we were both just in shock. We couldn't believe it. Somebody would be treated that way in a time like this. I mean, in general, but in a time like this especially. He looks like the kind of guy that would cause a problem for a building manager. And what I saw was he was covering himself with his blanket or his jacket, and uh, he was being hosed down, and eventually he dropped his jacket, and you could see his face, he was crying, he was screaming, and he was very upset. Victoria is abandoning plans to use one of the city's most popular parks as a temporary shelter during the COVID-19 outbreak. Beacon Hill Park is now off the table. The focus instead will be on establishing tenting sites at Topaz Park and Royal Athletic Park until people can be moved indoors. Victoria's mayor says the island's chief medical health officer advised them to only use two sites and to get the shelters up as soon as possible. The city is under pressure to reduce crowding on a notorious block of Pandora Avenue where the homeless are unable to keep safe distance from one another. More now on a story Global News first broke last night. The clinical trial of, controversial, of a controversial drug at a North Vancouver care home that's been the epicenter of the outbreak here in B.C. Despite the fact there's no proven therapy to treat COVID-19, Sarah McDonald tells us why it's being tested here. It's called hydroxychloroquine, a drug you've likely never heard of until now. With the chloroquine, uh, I, think the, uh, I think it could be something really incredible. The compound proven effective in the treatment of malaria, lupus and forms of arthritis is now being trialed on COVID-19 patients, already being administered to select individuals in hotspots worldwide. Hydroxychloroquine is one of the medications that is experimental. Including here in B.C. at the long-term care home on the North Shore at the epicenter of this country's outbreak. 
So it has been used under the experimental protocol in, uh, in one facility that I'm aware of, but we know our critical care physicians are watching the, the data, of course, uh, that's going on around the world and are being part of uh, the clinical trials as they get started around the world as well. So there will be more use. Dozens of patients and staff have contracted the coronavirus at the Lynn Valley Care Center, one of 12 long-term care homes province-wide where the illness has now left its mark. Our father has been tested positive for the virus. Deborah Drew's father is one of the COVID-positive patients partaking in the clinical trial, with treatment first starting here two weeks ago. As a family, we had the, the right to, to deny the treatment, which is the hydroxychloroquine, and we, we said, yes, let's try it. The question so many are asking is, will hydroxychloroquine be effective? That still hasn't been proven. So the question we're asking is, if you take hydroxychloroquine after an exposure, will that prevent you from getting infected? The drug has shown promise in early trials with small sample sizes, but medical experts warn it's not for everyone, recommending against using it for COVID-19 outside of clinical trials. Those trials also already underway in Manitoba and Quebec, with more provinces expected to follow suit in the coming days. Sarah McDonald, Global News. More Canadians returned from overseas today as more repatriation flights are carried out from countries under strict lockdowns due to the pandemic. That includes two groups of British Columbians who have struggled to get out of Peru. Nadia Stewart reports. Welcome home. After weeks of working around the clock, parents of a group of Vancouver boys who were stranded in Peru are relieved to have them home. It feels great working day in and day out to get him back home, pleading with the Canadian government, pleading with all the authorities out there, and uh, this is an answer to prayer. Twelve students and three teachers from Vancouver College returned to Vancouver Saturday morning on a plane full of Canadians anxious to get back home. Yay! Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> we made it. We're tired. It's been a long, yeah. long haul. But, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So happy to be back on uh, in Canada. Yeah. Shelly and Leo Vanderhoek know they are fortunate to be among those repatriated. Oh, yeah, there's more oh, people. Oh, there's lots there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just keep coming out of the woodwork. They know what's yeah. going on, right? Yeah. That's this is the scene in Lima, Peru. Ottawa is working with Air Canada to bring Canadians back. Three flights so far. The next batch is tentatively set for April 1st, with an extra flight having already been added. The challenge for Ottawa is working with countries who are under a COVID-19 lockdown, complete with travel bans and restricted airspaces. The entirety of Global Affairs Canada employees are uh, single-mindedly focused on this Herculean task of bringing Canadians home uh, any way we can. Air Canada says it flew 8,500 Canadians back home on Saturday. And for those now here, their next stop is quarantine. Now to Historic Global News. The Prime Minister says his government is in contact with counterparts in Panama, working on a way to help Canadians stranded on board a cruise ship. More than 240 Canadians are, and passengers uh, are among the passengers on board the Zandam, anchored off the coast of Panama. At least 150 passengers and crew have become infected with COVID-19. Four have died. Uh, the late word tonight, the Foreign Affairs Minister says Panama is allowing the ship through the Panama Canal for its final destination in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 
And Justin Trudeau is increasing domestic travel restrictions. Starting Monday, any traveler showing any signs of COVID-19 will be banned from boarding domestic flights and passenger trains. And signs will be installed on buses starting next week to limit the number of people on buses and to promote social distancing. The signs read seat closed. If the seating capacity is reached, bus drivers will not pick up more customers. Those riders will have to wait for the next bus. TransLink doesn't believe these changes will impact travel times on most bus routes because of declining ridership. BC Ferries is once again asking passengers to avoid all non-essential travel, this time with a video message from the boss. CEO Mark Collins says ferry workers are committed to providing essential service to transport groceries and mail and to maintain the vital link that emergency workers, doctors and nurses depend on. Onboard food services are closed and some passenger areas will soon be off limits. Those who can't stay in their vehicles are asked to sit at least two meters apart. These are certainly unprecedented times. We're going to get through this, but we need to do it together. Our employees have never taken their responsibility so seriously as they do right now. They know you depend on their loyalty, their courage, and their dedication, and they won't let you down. But they need your help. Please travel only when it's essential. We got the rules changed so you can stay on your car on the vehicle decks. Please remain in your vehicles. The pandemic has had a devastating impact on jobs. This week, Steve Nash Fitness World terminated all of its BC staff. Nash himself no longer is affiliated with the company. Now, so far, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business hasn't had any reports of business bankruptcy due to the COVID-19 crisis. But sources tell Global News the fitness giant has started that process. And as Nitu Garcha reports, former staff say something's just not right. After more than 30 years, yoga instructor Derek Ralphs isn't going back to work. It really breaks your heart, uh, especially because it's like, what am I going to do now? Ralph says he started at Fitness World in 1988 and is one of nearly 1,200 employees affected by the company's sudden shutdown. When all the shutdowns happened, it was, that was not the biggest shock. It was the biggest shock was saying, you're terminated. A letter to staff said because of the COVID-19 pandemic, all 24 locations in B.C. were being temporarily closed. A later email informed active staff they would be paid until the end of the month. On March 24th, another about the mass terminations effective that day. Then this one, that they would not be fully compensated as initially promised. Sources tell Global News the company has started the process of filing for insolvency. Steve Nash Fitness World did not respond to multiple Global News requests for comment. I think that the trouble started a long time ago. Um... Why not lay the employees off? That is my my question. Why was the firing? Why fire? Speaking generally, employment lawyer Lior Samfiru, who is not involved in any employment-related lawsuits against Steve Nash Fitness World, told Global News many B.C. businesses have been forced to permanently lay off employees because of this crisis, but several don't realize it comes with consequences, and employment laws, including severance rights, are not suspended because of the pandemic. There is an ongoing $20 million class action lawsuit into labor violations, bullying and harassment against the company that bears the name of now unaffiliated basketball great Steve Nash. None of the allegations have been proven in court. Some now terminated employees say in light of all this and despite the pandemic, the closure of all clubs raises questions. They use this as an opportunity to clean up a mess they'd already created. 
So I feel like maybe you'll see the doors shut very soon. And then in a few months, maybe another gym under another name open. Longtime gym members like Sarah Embry, who already paid for a full year membership, worry they may be out hundreds of dollars. I've tried all of the numbers that they have posted on their website, various different um, contacts that they had, and you can't get through to the phone lines. It says that you can't leave a voicemail. As operations remain suspended, ongoing uncertainty continues to affect members and former staff like Ralph's for the foreseeable future. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Since the COVID-19 outbreak began, there has been debate over whether face masks will protect you or just give you a false sense of security. Well, now, as Julia Foy explains, the owner of an independent Vancouver produce store is taking a stand. On this busy street in Vancouver's Carisdale neighbourhood, it's not unusual to see shoppers wearing face masks. Fears over the COVID-19 virus has resulted in a rush on face mask supplies. And health officials say face masks should be safe for health care workers. There's been a bit of confusion about whether wearing a mask is good for you or not good for you. And you should only wear one if you're sick. Well, as it turns out, at this small Carisdale vegetable store, you're not getting in without one. When people talk, spill it. And I don't know who got infected. This Sandy Farmer Market worker says if you don't have your own mask, he'll give you one. He claims he spent $2,000 on 2,000 masks in an effort to make people feel better. Do the customers like it? Um, customers who wear the mask, they love it. They said they feel safe. Customers had mixed reactions. Uh, is it okay because I think it's uh, crowded? They say no mask, no, no shopping. And how did that make you feel? Did you go somewhere else? So it makes you feel better if we're all wearing masks? I think so. <laughs> but is a thin paper mask really going to protect us? Us all wearing masks is, is one a colossal waste of masks. And we know that people who aren't ill um, and are wearing a mask often fiddle with their face. And that can be a risk for them. Eric isn't convinced. You don't know when you got sick, right? When you have a symptom, then maybe too late. Julia Foy, Global News. We're hearing from a Tim Hortons spokesperson tonight after one of its franchises in Vancouver's downtown east side lost its or had its license suspended. This Tim's location at 108 West Pender Street lost its license for three days after being found in violation of the province's emergency health rules of physical distancing. The city said inspectors visited the site four times and issued several warnings. A company spokesperson says the bylaw officer said there was an additional person in the restaurant exceeding local guidelines, 11 people, not 10, adding that this is an unfortunate, isolated incident in a very challenging neighborhood. They say the owner will also work to enforce the 10-person rule and request police support as needed to help enforce it. Sunshine Cabs in North Vancouver has temporarily suspended its operations due to the outbreak, and taxi companies in the Okanagan are facing a similar fate, trying to survive during these unprecedented circumstances. Darian Matassa-Fung reports. One look at this Penticton cab headquarters, and it is apparent business is not operating as usual. We normally have 65 to 70 drivers. Right now we have 9 or 10. Concerns surrounding the coronavirus has reduced cab companies' business and has led to layoffs. Well, I would say on the average our business has gone down by roughly 80%. Some taxi drivers are struggling to find enough work 
to maintain their cab's operational expenses, such as insurance. They've made the decision because the drip, the business has dropped so much that they are putting their insurance and everything on pause and just keeping their cars parked. Classic cabs and courtesy taxi operating out of Penticton have seen a drastic change to their day-to-day -day business. Desperately trying to stay open to help our essential workers get to and from work and our elderly in our community. For the first time, we've been open 22, 23 years. We are now closed from midnight to 6 a.m., seven days a week. Shauna Servinsky, who is the dispatch supervisor, says the drivers are scared to work and are opting to go on employment insurance until the pandemic is over. They don't want to get sick. They don't want to get their families sick. So we've had no choice but to let them go on EI. Back in Kelowna, the Kelowna cab's fleet is down 80% and it's looking into whether it's eligible for the new payroll subsidy from the federal government that can cover up to 75% of salaries of laid-off employees. Darren Matasafan, Global News, Kelowna. A Vancouver business seeing a spike in demand during the pandemic has come up with an innovative way to keep serving customers. Black Dog Video is the city's only remaining DVD and Blu-ray rental store. With most people in self-isolation at home, the store is seeing an increase in business. But the owner decided to temporarily close his commercial drive in Canby Street locations because physical distancing was difficult to maintain. Well, now Darren Gay is asking customers to email their movie requests, then pick them up at select pop-up stores like this one. I just come in here for a few hours. I got to do some work anyway, so I thought I'd open it up to the public if they still want to come get some films. Most people are sending me um, emails via our website and giving me lists, so they have them ready for them when they come in. They can either pay uh, over the internet or call with a credit card or pay when they get here, and they they get they're in, they're out, and it's it's quite fast. We got three. Um, we've done three, three, and five so far. So. Yeah, and it's fun just being at home, kind of like, oh, tonight we have another movie we're already prepped to watch, so. Yeah. Yeah. A Richmond neighborhood was flooded today after a water main broke near Number 3 Road in Ackroyd this morning. It took some time for crews to find the break and start repairs. Three buildings have been affected. The city adds residents have access to a hydrant that's been hooked up to a touchless outflow. Portable sanitizing stations were set up and bottled water was delivered to the affected properties. No word yet on what caused the break. The U.S. is now the world's epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic and cases continue to multiply there. Tonight, there are more than 121,000 confirmed cases throughout America and more than 2,000 people have died, including an infant. Hospitals in New York are overwhelmed and as Jennifer Johnson reports, soldiers have been sent in to help. In hard-hit New York City, a grim statistic. On Thursday and Friday, COVID-19 killed New Yorkers at a rate of one every 17 minutes. The situation so severe, U.S. President Donald Trump is considering a quarantine on New York, New Jersey, and parts of Connecticut. Some people would like to see New York quarantined because it's a hot spot. This would be an enforceable quarantine. 
The U.S. Navy hospital ship Comfort will dock in New York Harbor Monday with more beds, doctors and supplies. Still, some New York residents are trying to flee. Police are on alert along the U.S. East Coast. I feel bad that New York is getting such a bad rap sheet when it's really all over the place. New Yorkers coming into Rhode Island are being stopped and registered with the National Guard. It's what I know to be necessary in order to keep Rhode Islanders safe. New York is still facing a severe shortage of ventilators, masks, and other essential supplies. Healthcare workers fearing for their lives. We already lost our first nurse in New York City. We're going to lose more. Under an emergency order, the Pentagon is reactivating former troops and deploying them to hard-hit regions. New Orleans, Detroit, Chicago, and other metropolitan areas are all facing an overwhelming increase in COVID-19 patients. There is no congregating allowed. Doctors in hospitals across the country are being forced to make gut-wrenching decisions. Who will get a ventilator and who will not? Terrifying for patients. I felt like my lungs weren't expanding. You feel the sensation of drowning. COVID-19 tests remain in short supply, but the federal government has just given emergency approval for a rapid COVID-19 test with results in minutes. And that enables the healthcare provider to see a patient, diagnose a patient, and take the necessary interventions in a very short amount of time. 50,000 rapid tests a day are expected to be produced starting next week. Some good news as this virus continues its deadly spread across America. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. And Donald Trump has uh, just now reportedly said that a quarantine for New York will not be necessary. The COVID-19 pandemic passed two grim milestones in Europe today. More than 20,000 people have died on the continent after contracting the virus. 10,000 of those deaths were in Italy. As dozens of countries struggle to get a grip on the crisis, the lockdowns are expected to become even more severe. Redmond Shannon has more. This is the latest tool the Spanish government is using to try and slow down the spread of the new coronavirus. Thousands more people will likely die, so this work is all about mitigating the misery of the coming month. Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez has guaranteed full wages to all non-essential workers who stay home over the next two weeks. On Friday, Pope Francis delivered perhaps his most surreal mass since being elected pontiff. Praying for an end to the pandemic in an empty St. Peter's Square. A very different service in Italy's north. This church is full, full that is, of coffins the priests opening their doors as a makeshift morgue. No one could take care of these people, said Father Mario Carminati, so we leave them here, in the house of God, for him to look after them. Some Italians are still not getting the message about the importance of lockdowns, with police lecturing drivers over unnecessary journeys. There are similar bans on public gatherings across the continent. Berlin police controlling people's movements in ways not seen since the days of East Germany's Stasi secret police. The scene is no different in London, where this enormous convention centre will soon open as a 4,000-bed hospital. I've developed mild symptoms of the coronavirus. Prime Minister Boris Johnson remains isolated with the virus, and like so many, he is now working from home. But I think the one thing this has reminded us is that no one is immune and that is precisely why we ask people to follow the government advice. The British government is scrambling to get 20,000 new ventilators in the coming weeks. 
A communications mix-up meant it missed out on a chance to join a European group purchase. Instead, it's dealing directly with companies like vacuum makers Dyson and Formula One racing teams to build the units in time to save lives. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. In health matters, scientists say they have proven that a technique uh, to decontaminate N95 masks works. Researchers at Duke University say leaving the N95 mask in a room with equipment that turns hydrogen peroxide into a fine mist will disinfect them without degrading them. They say the mist permeates the layers of the mask to kill germs, including the novel coronavirus. Duke researchers say they've used this method on other lab equipment, but this is the first time they've tried it on masks. It's hoped this will ease some of those shortages on personal protective equipment around the world. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Uh, love in the time of COVID-19. One couple's creative romance. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I, people have been asking, how do you date yeah. during this crisis? I'm and like, what about this too? This adds this adds another level. Oh, When it's raining, it's dreary outside. It's a good thing home. for technology. Yeah, good thing for technology. All right, thanks, Colleen. And good evening, everyone. Uh, we've been uh, tracking some wet weather, weather maker working its way across the province, bringing rain along the coast, but we are seeing some snowfall in the interior, and I'll have more in just a moment. Right now, temperatures are sitting at 10. We're seeing rainfall out of the airport. There'll still be some waves this evening. We've got a southeasterly wind at 22. The winds have picked up, though. We've got gusts just over 30 kilometers per hour. Here's a quick glance. So we've got a bit of a wave right now, heavier pockets right across Metro Vancouver. It'll continue this evening, overnight, and for the morning hours. It's not a complete washout for Sunday, and I'll show you why in just a moment. Wanted to start off with a couple of photos. This is a great one. The herons are also social distancing. This is in Saanich, right? Everybody's taking part. So this is a great shot that was sent in. So thank you so much. I mean, we should take a cue from them as well. So that's great. And also with the rainy weather, this is Mason and Caitlin in Surrey. This is a Henrik Sedin puzzle that's been keeping them busy. So that's a great activity as well that you can do with your family and your household. And another great shot that was sent in from Gavin. A grade four in grade four in South Surrey, and he's thanking the frontline workers, all the doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, police officers, the prime minister, the media. So thank you so much. That's a great shot, and that's a very sweet letter, and much appreciated. And all the frontline workers are getting a chance to view that this evening. So thank you so much, Gavin. Some great shots, social distancing, some activities, and a thank you as well. All right, here's a, what we are looking at. This is the wave that we're tracking. Areas along the island included within this. We will be looking at it. Even easing off, but it'll be by the afternoon. Sunday afternoon, I anticipate we'll actually see some breaks, some sunshine in the mix, and then approaching the evening, we do have the potential to see uh, some showers popping up once again. So here's a quick glance of what we're anticipating overnight tonight. Temperatures will be sitting at 7. Rain for tomorrow morning, and then by the afternoon, a few breaks and temperatures will be bumping up to 12. Environment Canada has also issued a snowfall warnings for the mountain passes this weekend. The warnings stretch from the Fraser Valley through the Kootenays, the areas infected affected rather include highway 1 3 and 5 and 97 with snowfall amounts between 20 and up to 40 centimeters in the wake of the front we will see very windy conditions anticipate that we could see some reduced visibility so a concern especially if you're traveling along the mountain passes for tomorrow these are the top three that will see a significant amount so Kootenai pass the Coquihalla as well as the Rogers pass highway 97 for the pine pass also 10 and up to 20 centimeters and a special weather statement for the connector Allison pass ranging between 
5 and up to 15 centimeters. We are going to be seeing wet and windy conditions uh, along the northern half of the province. Let's see if we can pull that back up to the WSI. If not, I'll just ad-lib the rest of it. See if the control room can grab that real quick. All right, we'll tease you with your five. Oh, no, there it is. Okay, here we are going to be seeing for the central interior a bit of snow and then changing over to rain. Much of the southern interior tomorrow, it'll be a chance of showers into the double digits in all areas across the south coast is where we are going to be looking at rain for the morning hours, a few breaks, some sunshine in the mix. A chance of showers will be towards the evening and then our five-day forecast temperatures tomorrow up to 12 degrees. Monday, it'll be unsettled for a few spots. We will bump up to 10 degrees. And then looking ahead towards next, Next week, it's Wednesday, Thursday, a bit of a break in the action, and I anticipate to see some sunshine in the mix for the afternoon as well. All righty. Thanks so much, Yvonne. To hard-hit Brooklyn, New York, where two neighbors are finding creative ways to connect during the COVID crisis, their first date was dinner from their separate rooftops. But today, they managed a face-to-face connection, sort of. Okay, it's time for my boldest move yet. I hope she doesn't burst my bubble. I needed to see her, but I also wanted to respect the fact that we should be social distancing. I crossed the street and texted Tori to come outside and look to the left. I think she liked it. I brought flowers and hand sanitizer, but that was a misstep considering I was locked inside this bubble. Oh, that is awesome. The NYPD stopped the pair, but only because they recognized the couple from the news and wanted to take a selfie. Romantic. Now to have flowers and hand sanitizer and a little bit of distance. Sounds like the kind of thing Barry would do. Bear? Where's the hand sanitizer and flowers? Yeah, those are my three main things now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What you got coming up, Bear? Uh, Well, of course, everyone's trying to to keep busy, especially if they're self-isolated. You know, after you kind of get a little tired of Netflix, you got to do other things. People are exercising. That's what the white caps are doing. They're using technology to actually train together, even though they're all apart. So we'll have that story coming up a bit later. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. As we work to flatten the curve, many people are having a difficult time ensuring they don't spread the virus to those within their own households, especially if they are essential service workers. An RV rental company in Saskatoon has come up with a unique solution. The fight against COVID-19 doesn't just take place in hospitals. It affects the families of first responders, many of whom can't go home if they want to keep their families safe. RVZ, a peer-to-peer RV renting service, is offering to help with an initiative brought forward by their community of RV owners. They're the ones that reached out to us saying, listen, they're not being rented right now. Clearly, there's not as many people traveling. But these assets could be really used by the frontline workers, healthcare facilities, or any essential service that's looking to self-isolate. The company, described as the Airbnb of RVs by its co-founder, is making RVs available to anyone self-isolating at reduced rates. Everybody's helping out one way or another. I mean, lending my trailer is a pretty small thing to do, but it's something I can do. And White isn't the only owner who has volunteered to help out. About 80% of our owners, you know, put up their hand and said, yes, absolutely, I'm willing to discount my rate. RV owners are doing more than just reducing prices for those looking to self-isolate. We have owners that are willing to deliver three, four hours away, knowing that they're helping against this fight. I mean, I've gone in the summer as far as 300K, so, I mean, we can go further than that for helping people out. RVZ currently has over 200 requests for RVs, and McNaught believes that the number will grow as more companies become aware of the service. Just helping out these organizations, so hospitals, 
hydro companies, uh, police officers, paramedics, reaching out to them and just educating them that this is a great resource available to them. As the number for requests grow, RVZ will count on owners like White to keep helping frontline workers keep the home front safe. Brendan Purdy, Global News. New rules are in place for farmers markets in this province. The B.C. government says vendors are no longer allowed to sell merchandise, only food. It comes as the province cracks, cra- province cracks down on any in-person gatherings and urges British Columbians to shop online instead. But for many farmers markets, well, they're a source of fresh food for people and farmers need the income. The government says they are allowed to operate as long as they maintain the proper protocols. Riley Park Farmers Market in Vancouver says it converted to a new market setup about two weeks ago in order to keep its customers safe. Our shoppers are coming out and they're standing in long lines. Some of them are waiting 45 minutes to get into a zone, um, but they're using their social distancing. We've got pylons in place to help queue where to go. And uh, people are really thankful that we're open. Um, they're really thankful that we're trying to do our part to keep everybody healthy. Um, and really, the vibe has been very positive. It's a place where we still get to see people, even from six feet away. Good for them. Global News is a proud partner of Canadian Transplant Association's Green Shirt Day, presented by Vistaprint Corporate Solutions. Wear green on April 7th to show your support for organ donation and in honor of the Logan Boulay effect. Register as an organ donor, tell your family, be inspired. BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer challenges British Columbians to move every day in May. Whether you walk, run, bike, or dance, you can help raise vital funds for those affected by the disease. See their website for details. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Okay, Barry, before you get to sports, uh, we want to show everybody a new version of Canada's favorite pastime. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain. This is isolation hockey. A group of friends put together this penalty-free, socially distanced game, passing toilet paper from coast to coast to coast. A creative way to honor hockey and have a little fun with what has become an unlikely symbol of the COVID crisis. Yes, that is a toilet paper roll they are bouncing around. Clearly, they aren't too worried about running out. <laughs> At last, someone could finally spare a square, you know. Exactly. I give credit my wife, Katie. She came up with that. It seems like... Yeah, no one can spare a square. Great Seinfeld reference. Great Seinfeld. Elaine, we love that. (laughs) All right, thanks, Colleen. Well, it's really only been 16 days since the sporting world shut down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, it feels much longer than that. Now, as a fan, if you are really missing your sports fix, imagine what it's like for the players. For the Vancouver Whitecaps, their season barely started. They played two games, were coming off a big road win in Los Angeles against the Galaxy when everything changed. Now all they can do is wait, but it's all not all Netflix and hand washing. These high-end pro athletes are all trying to stay in shape as best they can under these unique conditions. Stay and try to pick each other up and keep each other going because whenever this ends, you know, we have to be prepared to get back on the field without injuries. Part-time owner Steve Nash offering some motivation for the Whitecaps as the players try to keep their spirits and bodies sharp during this downtime. And to help them, the Whitecaps have implemented three times per week group workouts. Thanks to technology, they do get to work out as a team, and Nash even led the way on this one, showing he's still in MVP shape. Obviously, this has been 
different, a new challenge for everyone. Um, so bringing in the Zoom workouts has been a nice little change of pace from that first week. And, um, you know, this morning we had uh, we had Steve Nash leading us on that, which was cool. Obviously, I've never worked out with him before, so that was, that was fun. I know the guys enjoyed that. It could be a few months before the Whitecaps return to this kind of normal, and like all of us, they might as well use the downtime to their advantage. No reason why we can't really strengthen, you know, key key parts of their bodies during this time. We can work on, uh, you know, stability or mobility issues that the players have. So uh, we can actually do more than maintain on certain aspects. Every white cap got a stationary bike and all sorts of gym supplies to help them with home workouts. The physical part is obviously important, but not lost is trying to keep a sense of team during these very isolated times. We're reaching out to them regularly, every single player with personal phone calls. Uh, and so that connection is really powerful. And I think all the things that the club is doing, not only just from the football operations side, but even the club side, is ensuring that maintain that that team mentality and that connection is being maintained you miss the little things just being together with the group as a as an athlete it's it's such an enjoyable experience day in day out to to work out to to be competitive with your with your friends when they finally do get back to playing games the white caps are hopeful the hard work they're putting in now will pay off on the pitch a lot of the guys are actually even doing double sessions you know um, doing as much as we can so when we come back we can transition and actually maybe even have an upper hand on the opposition that maybe the players aren't as committed to their programs. I think the spirits are, are really, really good. It's a positive environment uh, as, as under the circumstances. And I think that the mentality of the club is that we're all in this together as a community and as a club. Okay, let's do eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You've got to get that going here at uh, Global during the, you know, just before the news hour to get everyone pumped up. All right. Thank you for all of your emails nominating BC healthcare heroes. At the end of every news hour, we are honoring the sacrifices they're making during the pandemic. Tonight, we are thanking a COVID-19 screening team at Kelowna General Hospital that received a message of love and support from the community. Thank you to all of them. If you'd like to nominate a BC Healthcare Hero, email us at bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. All right, the daughter of a Victoria Healthcare worker has found a, a fun way to learn about the COVID pandemic and keep herself and others entertained while she stays home. A is for adapt to coronavirus. B is for bad coronavirus. C is for coronavirus. And and COVID-19, <laughs> um, D is for disease, um, E is for everyone stay home. Ah, you got it. This is six-year-old Isla Arnold of Victoria out for a walk. And yes, she has a COVID-19 related fact for every letter of the alphabet all the way up to Z. Isla made up most of this song all on her own. She only got a little help from her mom, Genevieve, a registered nurse at Victoria General Hospital in the mother and babe unit. Just one way they're coping with these extraordinary times. Don't you love that? She's very creative. She's quick, too. She's very six years old. What was Zed, I wonder? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to have ridiculous. to watch. You'll have to watch the whole video. Jordan's going to be here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Stay healthy.